welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. Hey, everybody. Well, we're back for another podcast. It's the Daily Double today. I got my good buddy, Eric Gudgel, a.k.a. Gudge. We talk about you a lot, but uh, thanks for waking up this morning and coming on, man. Man, thanks for having me on. I, uh, I'm i just excited to get uh, an hour to talk to you. It's been, it's been <laughs> kind of hard in the last month to, to even get a chance to talk, so this is a treat. <laughs> I never even thought of that. Yeah, I should. that's how I should bribe my close friends when people are like texting me and saying, dude, you know, I wish I had a little more time to chat. And I always say, yeah, me too. What I should do is say, well, let's." there's been so many times where I'll talk to a good friend like you, and I'll be like, I should have freaking podcast that because every time a friend like you calls, we're it's not like we're it's not like we're talking about gardening. Exactly. I mean, we're it, we're talking we're talking the stuff anyway. You know, that's that's how our brains work. It is, and it's so funny how many times you said that. You said, "Dang it, we need to do a podcast together," and and uh, this is this is finally it. I know we've talked about it many times, but it's uh, it is good. And I just again. I'm just excited to get a chance to talk to you for an hour because you've just been blowing and going for uh, I don't know three months. Well, I can tell you right now, I'm not I'm not going anywhere fast right now, dude. <laughs> I am so sore this morning. <laughs> <laughs> God, that scared me to death, man. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, yesterday, um, yesterday, I I had I literally since I filled my my buck tag my last buck tag for the regular season i'm like okay well it's time to you know time for me to go back into weight training you know shooting indoor bows you know i'm like yesterday was my start day right so i got on my bike and was going to do my routine of riding all the way to the gym doing my workout riding backs and it was i went outside and it was 34 degrees so i was like holy cow so i came back in and i put on some some like UA compression. I pulled on some sweats. Then I um, I put on, I think a compression top, and then I put on a t-shirt over that, and then I put on like a big like Primaloft jacket, and I literally started riding. And right when I started, Eric called, and I'm riding, and I was just going down this hill, and I think because I was talking to you, I really wasn't paying attention. And granted, I ride along my major highway, <laughs> but I hit, I think it's because the ground froze and like for the first time and I wasn't thinking about it and I was like riding on the shoulder, but I mean, I was bombing down this hill. Could you hear me grinding? I couldn't. No, I couldn't. In fact, I was kind of, it was surprising you were on your bike because it was really clear. I was like, immediately I said, no, well, don't talk to me. Get, you know, ride your bike, dude. And the next thing I know. I hear this noise and you're like, dude, I just freaking wiped out. <laughs> I did. I did. And my local, um, my lo- <laughs> what's funny is my local state farm agent. That's who, because you, you heard me talking right away, right? My local state oh, farm awesome. agent. I did. Yeah, he stopped for you. Yeah, he stopped and he's like, 
he goes, John, is that you? And I go, yeah. And he goes, oh, my God, dude. He said, you, he goes, I thought you slid under my truck because I wiped out right next to his truck. And I was sliding down the, you know, it was on the biggest hill on my whole ride. So I was Man. literally f- sliding down the, all this, like, f- this uh, frozen washboard in the gravel. But, yeah, my, my left knee <laughs> is not feeling good right now i actually landed on my my bad shoulder but this thing feels like a this thing feels bulletproof right now they dr napola did such a good job putting that thing back together it it feels good but yeah i had to i threw away like 300 bucks worth of ua clothes (laughs) i tell you i've had some of my worst crashes you know reaching for my water bottle and i've been dumped on the ground so hard because I ride a lot of gravel around here. It's a big thing uh, in Oklahoma for us to ride gravel, and I can come out of my my house and go for miles on gravel road because, you know, the crazies are driving the, the highway. So it's uh, it's nice to get away from people, and and I have crashed so hard. In fact, I, uh, I got up one morning just like you rode an early ride. To, we were going out of town, and I get three miles from the house, reach for my water bottle, hit washboard, it dumped me on the ground so hard, I thought I broke my hip. And all I can remember <laughs> is one leg in it back three hour, three miles on this on my <laughs> bike. You know, go just take an inventory. Going, God, is anything busted, man? This really sucks. <laughs> but, uh, I love riding my bike. In fact, uh, speaking of bikes, I uh, if it weren't for my bike, I would not have killed my Kansas buck. So what a what oh. a uh, inspiration you had on. Uh, you know, getting that bike out there and making it a part of my gig. Because, yeah, I would not have killed him without question uh, getting to ride my bike in there. You know how hard it is to get into some of those spots in Kansas. They're just wide open. And and uh, I love you talking about that. I love the Rambo, or the uh, not the, the Yeti, and, uh, you know, how you get in there with that dude. And it really helps a bunch. Oh, with my felt outfitter? Yeah, there's a lot of different bikes now that are out there. I think Rambo's one of them. I, I'm just... Um, I'm partial to felt because, uh, well, the first one I had was a Cogburn. Actually, the, oh, yeah, the, that's the, what I've got. the very first one I had was a felt. I had a felt bike right. that Jim built for me. And then um, Cogburn came out with that first fat tire that was geared for kind of just low and slow. And so I had that one, and then I talked you into getting that one. And then Jim was telling me, he's like, you know, he goes, ride what you're riding, but just wait. We got something awesome coming. And they were developing the, the felt outfitter. And, wow. and I, I mean, obviously, it's a game changer. It's, it's pretty awesome to be able to go, especially, you know, I remember I used to hunt public land up in northeast Iowa. And it was about a three to four mile ride that you could do wow. to get back into some really good timber. And it makes all the difference, man. You know, not to mention just the amount of the amount of well, the amount of scent you don't lay down. That's yeah. what's huge. And you know, like for example, if you're hunting with a buddy or your camera guy, um, yeah. you just you can ride right past stuff. They don't even know. They don't put two and two together. You know, it's not like the deer are like you know recognizing it. And a lot of times, if you're hunting like public land and parks or something they're so used to seeing people on bikes they don't even associate that with a hunter anyway so it's a really really good tool um 
you know that you can use if if you're like that. Now there is times too, like for example, um, you shot a really good buck in Oklahoma when we were together down there. Now in those situations, it's almost better to have in like an ATV, like if you have a Yamaha where people are are you know, especially if you're on a place where the ranchers are always driving, checking their fences or making a daily routine, you know, doing cameras or stuff, you're almost better off being taken in and dropped off on those same routines. Yeah, and sure. and and the and the the deer don't associate that as well. So I mean there's there's a lot of different techniques, but you you've killed I've got a ton of respect for you because you've killed a lot of great you've killed some great stuff and you're you're always clutch in the moment of truth too. You always you know, you get you get stuff down. It's not just that you get opportunity. You actually close the deal. Um, but I think there's so many differences in entry and exit strategies. But I think the entry and exit strategy for hunters is so pivotal on their success. You know, I think we talked about that on the place where we were hunting in in Oklahoma. It it wasn't totally set up to always like there were spots that were set up where there were good deer coming but it's not like it was our own places where we would have had a stand in that same like say that same strip of timber where we could have hunted it with an east wind or a west wind or a south wind we were like okay there's a good deer here and we were kind of forced with we're you know we we had went on this hunt we only had four days to hunt and it just sucked because you're like, okay, well, I know there's a good deer in this area. I don't totally know where they're coming from, but you just, you'd kind of feel like the wind was all wrong. And I was like, yeah. I felt like I was going against like the basic, my basic rules to, to being successful as a hunter. And that's playing the wind and not letting them know you're there. And yeah. it, it, you were just, we were just rolling the dice every time. And luckily you went out and you shot that good deer on the first night, which is what you always want opening day of season. You want a deer to just come out like da 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 da, and all of a sudden whack. You know, it doesn't have any idea. Yeah. But but once you know, if you wouldn't have got him that night, and if that deer would have went another twenty yards, and he would have got a whiff of you, he yeah. would he would have known the gig, man. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. And you think about that hunt. You know, it it uh, we we waited to the evening, and and I've I've been on that that incredible ranch many years and i realize and i i've struggled you know i've i've had uh, so many challenges there but you noticed how i killed that deer too was pretty amazing uh i found a buck just like you talked about with your big six by six i found a buck that was visible in daylight and i am adamant when you find a deer that's willing to walk in the day i, I think you said that you know just a few days ago when you get one that's visible I looked at Jimmy and I said, Jimmy, we better go kill that deer. I said, we, we, we can't wait. We get one crack at him. Let's go get it done tonight. And, and you know, it's amazing. The wind was bad. <laughs> we had freaking ozotics pouring into our eyeballs. Man, we were probably blowing our eyeballs and our lungs up with ozonics. But, uh, you know, it worked. And, uh, and I was just really fortunate to get that sucker first night. You notice that, uh, you know, the the quick strike was the first night after that it's tough and even last year um you know i had the same scenario i could have killed a good deer the first night but i let him go 
you know, I, you, you get small eyes sometimes on these big ranches and you, you know, a buck walks in and you let him go. And I just, I just assumed, you know, and I made this mistake last year in Kansas. I, I, I passed a 172 inch deer twice, you know, on my birthday. And I passed one, I passed the same deer on the first day of season. And I looked at the video. In fact, I think I sent it to you, and you said, "Have you lost your mind?" And you, <laughs> I you know, remember you, that. You remember that? You you said you're crazy, dude. And I go, maybe I am. And you know, now of course, there's more to the story, right? I I have a buck that obviously is a lot bigger than that that I I was trying to kill. But who passes up a 172 inch deer? Well, somebody that's obviously chasing one that's significantly bigger, and. And I thought, well, heck, this deer came in at 8.30. You know, I, I can kill him any time. And, well, that's never the case. No, no. You know, I, I tried to hunt him again, and fortunately I got him, you know, last year. And I was really, you saw it on, uh, I think it was season six. But, man, um, what, you know, my target sack full of feed to get him to stop. And, you know, I killed that dude. But, oh, yeah, you know, going back to Oklahoma, that. yeah, it was my target sack, man. It was so funny. I carried that thing a half a mile uh, with just a little bit of, of uh of our secret formula that we're we're working on right now but uh it uh it's it's i'm just super lucky man you got to put in the time and you got to get one in daylight and fortunately you know i caught that deer um at, at stewart on the first day because man once you you know and, and honestly last year it took me two or three different different surprise attacks because remember that's the first weekend that's a tough hunt if your weather's bad Good luck, man. I mean, it. Uh, you're going to be shooting hogs and does, and, and <laughs> relegated to that. Welcome sport, to my world. Which, at the end of the day, man, I just I love shooting hogs down there. I love shooting anything I get a chance to, and and uh, you know, it's nice to have that cooler where we can throw them right in there. And, and uh, what a treat that is to go down there. I was really, really thankful you got a chance to come down and experience. That was really fun. I know that was fun. Well, you've been you've been asking me to come there for a long time, but I've always I was always doing my moose hunt the first yep. week of October. I was always hunting BC, and it honestly it just got to the point where, well, one I've shot some moose, but it it's starting to get really difficult when you shoot a big animal to get them back if you're not driving, oh, wow. and it's you know it's hard to drive that far in BC. So I kind of thought, you know, I'm going to enjoy this year. I told myself I want to enjoy whitetail season. I just really want to enjoy hunting deer again. I mean, I love hunting Western stuff, but I did, I did less elk hunts and, you know, I kind of really focused on, I focused on, well, I wanted to shoot a a whitetail in Montana, but I ended up shooting a really good muley, um, but you know, I shot a whitetail in Alberta, which normally up there I focus on muleys. Um, I, I really wanted another whitetail in velvet, and then obviously with you guys, and I made that that mistake. Now the place where um, and kind of how we have it set up um, in Oklahoma, uh, you guys, well, mainly Clay and and Jimmy. They run um, cameras in a lot of different areas that are pretty pretty repetitive for being good for the opening weeks of season um down here on this cattle ranch and the spot where we kind of drew straws for who got to go where and the spot where i went there was a really cool buck that they had called malibu that was just giant but there was another good buck too and that's exactly what happened to me that that other good buck 
came in. Like I was in my stand two hours, and he came through with like a bachelor group of bucks. They kind of they watered at that pond just like we thought, mm-hmm. and then they came through that whole that filter strip. And I was sitting there, and I'm like, okay, it's two hours before dark. This one's already coming by. I'm going to see the bigger one before dark. Yeah. And then that was it. That was that was my hunt. I mean, <laughs> that was your hunt, one and done. You know, and it's so amazing to me that uh, you know in in Kansas this year. So obviously, you know my story there. I, I I got a new place and got out of my hunt and you know my my lease. So I was really desperate for a new place. And you know, it's it's interesting how your uh, you know resources become available. You were helping me out and. My tag didn't work there, but I, I found a, a you know really good friend of mine gave me a, a small piece of timber, and it's funny how your expectations change, you know. So um, it was it was I've got to tell you it was really refreshing to to go up there and and looking for a mature deer, not a monster, you know. And I wouldn't I was not going to make the the mistake of passing up a giant again. So you know it was it was a, a really refreshing situation to be in kansas going you know what first good buck that comes by he's done and sure enough you know i I got that chance in kansas to you know the first night i hunted and uh you know it's it's funny in in the backyard i i posted a um an instagram post the other day i think you saw me shooting oh yeah uh, sitting down in my chair well there's more to that story and the reason the reason i posted that well i just i thought it was a cool shot right it was but here's the deal dud I practiced that shot every single day. You know what that shot was? It was 36 yards, and it was exactly the shot I knew I was going to have that Kansas buck out of my veil blind. And and what do you think happened? That's exactly what happened. So, you know, I I, I didn't really uh, elaborate on that, but that's the reason I'm sitting down in my chair in my backyard. It's it's just getting good impressions. Good, good. You know, uh, like EJ said the other day, it's it's good. um, you know, you're, you're seeing great things happening. And I, I'm a big believer in that. I think you've got to prepare, you got to get ready. And I think that's one of the reasons that I have so much success is, you know, I'm, I'm pretty anal about how I practice, how I train, you know, and, and, uh, I was ready for that shot. I mean, when he came in, you know, it's autopilot, you're filming, you're, I got two camera angles going. I got, you know, God, is this going to happen? You know, is he in the screen? You know, pull back and uh, so it's it's an interesting autopilot. But uh, you know, I called you yesterday before the crash on your bike. And <laughs> the reason the reason I called you and it's funny how I you know I I I, I didn't write it down, but I'm like. John, we got to talk about target acquisition. I heard you and EJ, and, you know, how quick do you get on it? How do you get to the target? And, you know, that was one of the things that I called you about yesterday was, okay, you got to, you got to help these guys understand how do they get to the target? What's, you know, when, how does the pin get there? Does it come slowly? Does it, you know, and, and uh, it's funny how that's, that's the whole reason I was calling you yesterday was say, man, get them to the target as quickly as possible. And, and uh and, and then and then you wadded up and i was afraid you <laughs> broke your hip <laughs> well you know one thing that i practice and i really i really try to stress with people in their draw cycle is raising that bow and pointing it to the target you know if you get in the habit of actually pointing your pin on that target and then drawing that release hand back to your face while you're still looking through that through that pin or at that pin beyond the target 
you know, like say in Vegas, on in Vegas there's there's four targets on one bale, right? So there's three three spots on every target. So you've got there's twelve Vegas dots on that bale. But even with a six power lens, when I pull back and I actually tip my head down into my peep sight, my pin is already on the gold of the target that I'm shooting. And it's just because I've really focused on putting that pin on that target and drawing the bow back without having to raise, without having to um, lean back or draw really low and then bring it up. You know, I think the further you're off the target, the harder it is to really get yourself to settle in the middle and be comfortable there while you're pulling through the release. A really good training thing that people can do is just just raising their bow to the target and drawing back and going into their peep sight and seeing how close they are to that target and just practicing that you know it's it's no different than i mean you're you're a great golfer obviously ej is a great golfer um for those of you just introduce i should have introduced you better at the beginning but so you were um i actually got to know eric um years i forget how long ago it was do you remember what it was yeah 20 years ago maybe i don't even know it was a long time ago well it would have been 16 because i think it was 2000 i think it was 2000 because um i was i was a regional sales manager for matthews at the time and um one of my dealers down there um loan um at hl's loan um was a great shop and I really liked loan and I really trusted his judgment. And I called him and I said, loan, I want to pick, I want to pick one guy, like one guy for the state of Oklahoma. That's not, not necessarily a shooter, but I, I just want someone that's like wheels to the ground, wheels to the ground, you know, kind of knows what's going on, but also is, is just a good ambassador for me as a rep someone that you know that maybe visits a lot of shops or something like that and he's just like oh i know the guy i mean you know loan's always so excited he was like oh oh, i know i know the guy i know i mean he practically cuts you off you know he's already and he said um he's like you got he goes dude my buddy gudge he's like this guy he's like he he's in every store i swear he's he goes he can't drive down the road and see a sporting goods store without pulling in he's like he's got to pull in and and you were you were a regional sales manager for Oakley, mm-hmm. yep. um, which that's um, a few podcasts ago when I was talking about that time where I was shooting those helmets and sunglasses mm-hmm. and stuff at Oakley. That was kind of something that you helped set up uh, with that R and D team. But you worked for Oakley for a long time, and now you actually work for Adidas um, on the golf side. So yep. and you and I mean you're you're a good player too. So you you understand you understand practice routine, you understand re- repetibility and you and you understand that you're not always working on your full swing. There's right. times where you're just working on elements, right? And Absolutely. And you know, I guess a lot of times you know, there'll be golfers that'll just spend days just in a sand trap with the lip face, you know, with the lip this curved a certain way and just focus on that one swing, right? Just getting out of that one hazard. 
Absolutely. And, and that's what, um, you know, this target acquisition that you're talking about, that's that's really on that same subject. If you're If you have trouble freezing beneath the target, then the last thing you want to do is come into your peep site and you're beneath the target because you're already going to be having a problem getting off the the bottom of the target right so you bet learning to draw back and have your pin on the target to begin with is certainly going to be more advantageous you're going to waste less energy you waste you know because i like to once i acquire my target i almost let my breath relax you know i let my breathing relax and as as my as I'm using that last bit of oxygen and that air is slowly vacating my lungs, that's when I'm going through that pulling motion and and hoping that that execution happens before I'm out of oxygen. Um, obviously, the further you are away from the target, the less likely you are to be able to do all that stuff. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. Well. That was that was a nice introduction, and, and, and we owe it all alone. So I'm very grateful <laughs> to him for, for just mentioning my name because uh, what a treat it has been to, you know, to to have a great friendship. And uh, you know, I, I am I am incredibly uh, passionate about you know the, the mystical flight of the arrow. There's just something about it that's always resonated with me. I don't know why. I I really uh, you know it's just it's it's the coolest sport on the planet. And and I think for me the second coolest sport is golf. And you know I, I know a lot of people will disagree with that, but it's really 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 difficult. You know I, I don't know why we pick the two hardest sports on the planet, hunting and golf. But you know maybe there's something to that. And you know I I, I love. What what EJ has you know I, I've I've been a student of his for a long time and it's funny how um, it's kind of like you I'll call EJ right before a big golf tournament I'll go each you know I'm in the mix you know what do I do and and I love his Jedi mind tricks right I mean the guy is is one of the most unbelievable teachers on the planet most authentic human being just he's one of the guys that really gets it but. I love how he says, Eric, you gotta, you gotta love pressure. You've gotta, you know, you've gotta see great things. And, you know, just like with archery, just like with hunting, and I think one of the reasons that I can get it done is he talked about this positive self image. He talked about, you know, seeing great things in your subconscious. Well, for me, that just means really simply, you, you see that deer come in, you see that golf shot you see good things happening, you know, and I try to teach my kids that, you know, in the subconscious meaning that's when you're dreaming, you're dreaming about what good things can happen, you know, and, and, and being mindful that and the more you see those, the better it prepares you for an opportunity to be successful. So let's take golf, for example, right? You've got a 175-yard par three that's got water on the left. It's got a bunker on the right. You can't go long. You've got to go, you know, you've got to hit the front side of the green. Well, think about it. There's five things that can go wrong there, right? There's five chances for target panic, right? Water, short, long, you can't get up and down. You know, so how do you do that? You know, and, and EJ's taught me, said, you know what, you've got to see good things. And then you've got to hedge your, you've got to hedge your bet. So what he's meaning is you put yourself where you can get the least possible bad, right? I mean, my bad's got to be better than his bad. So how do you do that, right? You, you've got to have a process. And, you know, when I think about target panic, I think about 
target acquisition. What system can you create that keeps you from making a mistake? Because if you don't think we, we've all made mistakes, I mean, you make them every day in golf. I mean, you're not going to hit but one or two really good shots. But how do you how do you succeed at that game? Well, you minimize the damage, right? You've heard the word aim small, miss small. Well, obviously, that's, that's to create margin, right? If you aim really small, you give yourself a chance to miss small. You know, and you're doing that. It's a mental thing and, and whatnot. Same thing with golf, right? You aim small. You know, you, you hope that you can handle the, you know, whatever comes up. It's, it's, you, you've, you've got faith that you're going to, you know, you're, you're going to execute a good shot. So with archery, you know, I, I've many times, I, I, I remember sending you a video, in fact, from our ranch in, in Oklahoma where I just, I rushed it. You know what? I got my finger on the trigger too quick. Soon as I was, it was 12 yards, right? I mean, the closest shot I practice in my backyard is 40 yards. Well, 12 yards should be a slam dunk. Well, you know what? I didn't have a great system in place. I got on the target. I pulled the trigger. Hit him right in the shoulder, you know, and, and I'm trying to minimize that. How can I do that? Well, from now on, I'm not, I don't even put my finger on the trigger till I've acquired the target, you know, and that's why I practiced that 36-yard shot. You know, I, I needed to create a system or a process that eliminated any chance of having a bad shot. And, you know, that I, I do need to, to, to get that breathing part because, for me, it's baseball. You know, I grew up as a, playing baseball and, and aspired to be a second baseman or a shortstop for the Kansas City Royals. Well, that didn't quite happen, but, you know, that was my dream, you know. And, and uh, you know, when I think about baseball, you've got you've to put yourself in a situation where you, you don't worry about – external factors right i mean you have to pull that curtain down and and you know get in a, into a process you know for me it was it was spitting in my hands twice it was doing you know it was doing 18 different things so i i all i thought about was okay i got to hit this pitch same thing with golf i go through a process where i can repeat it same thing with archer you taught me you know the seven things and it's amazing how ej was talking about stance and you know for me it's obviously my grip my left shoulder my peep sight my anchor my acquiring the target so my brain's going through a process right if and what that's doing it's keeping me from worrying about you know anything else it's it's a repeatable situation and and uh you know that's the that's the geeked out stuff that I really love, um, you know, just absorbing anything I can from a podcast or from yeah. an article you write or anything, you know. Yeah, well, you know, if you think about, you know, you look at the Cubs just, just won the World Series, right? If you look at a pitcher, these guys that are pitching and they're throwing these ridiculous pitches, if the catcher had a mitt that was like the size of the whole backstop, do you think the pitcher would actually be able to throw no to the pit to the pinpoint places that they do? It's because you know they're they're aiming at a mitt. You know they're picking a they're picking a specific spot to be able to throw a breaker ball to land at. They're not just they're not just aiming at a broad at a big. You know they're not aiming at the whole backstop. They're they're focusing on a very finite position. And granted, you know they may not hit the exact place that they wanted for that strike zone but i can guarantee i can guarantee you if this if the plate wasn't that small they probably wouldn't be as accurate you know yeah, the, the sure. they're 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 aiming small and they're they're pitching small because of that because of that yeah. you know those places where some batters aren't historically hitting the ball they learn where those places are 
and that's exactly where they have to throw it if they're if they're not gonna to get hit on. But right. you know, you you are right. If you find a system that really occupies that conscious mind, and you know, funny enough, I think I was thinking about this the other day because I I did I send you my shot on the the second buck that I shot this big. No, one? I haven't seen it yet. No. Oh, no. Um, I'll probably I'm gonna text it to you while we're talking, but you know I started thinking about this shot and I'm and I was like you know who how many people could actually do that you know in this particular situation I knew the way this buck was coming I had one hole in front of me that I could actually put my arrow through this hole to hit this buck so when I saw the buck coming I had to film him I had to move the camera to the spot I had to put the crosshairs of the camera in the hole that I knew my arrow had to go and I had to draw back and be in that hole and I literally had pressure on the trigger my pin was sitting in that hole and that and I'm like using my peripheral vision as the deer's like coming through as soon as he hit that hole i gave it everything i can't could and pulled through and literally shot him right through the heart but i think i think because i think because i try i'm self-filming i think that is one thing that helps me not be as nervous about Mm -hmm. shots because you don't have time yeah you really it seems like in any moment where things happen really fast um, yep. and you just react, you don't have the time last, <laughs> this isn't uh, totally archery related, but last night I was walking out to my grill and, um, I was grilling some elk tenderloins and I, all I had in my hand was one of those little elk, um, grilled forks. You know, I mean, they're small, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, like a little spearing fork and I was walking and somehow through the moonlight i saw this big old spider dude swinging like right i mean i was it was it's come swinging down and it almost like landed on my face and it was a big one it was like the size of a quarter and i freaking like just totally mr miyagi swatted this thing with this fork and i'm talking this fork the width of this fork is probably the size of like an apple earphone cord and i freaking just centered that thing and just split it to i mean it was gross but i thought you know if i would have if someone would have just said okay here's this big spider it's hanging in front of your face you would end up looking like a person trying to swat at a bee you'd have been spazzing out but i think because it happened so fast you just you react and you're all of your you know I just all of the things that you've inquired and learned over time, they just your subconscious just takes over that because your conscious hasn't triggered like a fight or flight to where it's bringing in all these outside uncontrollables. Yeah, you know, and so negatives, much, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Well, yeah. And, and I, you know, that's that's why I, I uh, you know, I guess when when you say geeked out on on getting better, I, I, I truly believe success begets success, and that's the reason you see me in the backyard. And you know, I'll talk about that shot a little bit more because there's there's still more to that 36 yard shot. But I just, you know, it's 
it's positive self-image is what EJ's talking about. And what and exactly what you're talking about is you believe. I mean, you, your, your word is checkmate. I remember you saying it years ago. You said, you know, when a deer gets in... And inside of my pens, he's done, right? And and that's obviously because of great success. And and I'll even or not I mean it's great confidence in what you do, right? I mean, you have confidence so when he gets inside your pens, the hard part's getting him inside the pens, but what he's inside and when he's inside those clicks, I got him, right? I know it. Well, with putting it's the same thing. Putting is you know, it, it's forty two percent of the game. It's the only club you use on every single hole, right? And and it makes the difference between a ten handicap and a and a negative handicap, right? I mean it really does if you make putts. Here's the deal with putting, Dud. Putting everybody can do. You know, not everybody can hit a three hundred and five yard three wood in the air, right? But everybody should be able to putt. And here's what happens with putting. They don't have confidence in it. And I tell you, I I'm a firm believer. Anybody asks me if I'm a good putter whether I am or I'm not, I always tell them I'm a good putter. I'm always believing. I'm always giving good impressions, and I'm always coming up with a practice training session with putting that allows great confidence. I want to hear the ball go in the hole. I want to, you know, and, and I want to, one, find the best people in the world that can teach me how to be good at it, i.e. E.J. Fister, right? I mean, he's got technology that shows where my putter face is and how fast it's going and all these cool things, right? But at the end of the day, you still got to believe. You've got to believe that it's going in. And if you don't believe it's going in, trust me, dude, it ain't going to go in, right? I mean, it's a lot of feel. It's a lot of, you know, so the same thing with archery. You've got to have a, a, a belief that good things are going to happen. And, and, you know, when, when you're in that target panic mode, when you're lifting and punching and, and you're doing some stuff that's, you know, that's, you know, I, I, was, I mentioned it the other day. There's people right now that are, that are going to listen to this podcast that are scared to death that deer's going to walk in because they don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, what I, I, I just I love the fact that you're, you're using your gifts and your skills to help somebody, one, accelerate that process. He doesn't have to wait like you and me, you know, 40 years of doing this friggin' sport to figure it out, right? We feel pretty good about it, but trust me, there's a lot of hard work behind it, you know? And, and I, I love that, hey, we can give them a tip that, one, occupy your mind, believe in good stuff, success begets success, good practice sessions, good training shots, you know, finish with good things, you know, and, and that will build your confidence where you get inside there and it is checkmate. I mean, you know, there's, there's so many funky things I do. I name my bow. I mean, my bow is personal to me. That thing is, you know, it's, it's the difference between success or failure. And you know how, you know, as much time as we put in, as much riding it on these freaking bikes and driving and, you know, if you're not believing in your equipment, then good luck, man. I mean, my driver is very important to me. My putter, dude, I, I will sleep with my putter. I mean, that thing makes the difference between me winning or losing, you know, and, and I, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's psycho sometimes. My family just looks at me like you've lost your mind, dude, and, and, and I have, but I love it. And, and, you know, I love the process, Dud. I'm telling you, we get one shot at deer, but I love being in my backyard firing my bow. And if you don't love that, you know what? You're going to be missing a huge part of it because you're spending way more time training than you are then you're hunting, you know, and, and I love the process. I love every bit of it. And if you don't, figure out how to love that process because that's even this, you know, g getting educated, you know, figuring it out, you know, is, 
is all part of the process, and it's it's uh, it's a wonderful journey for all of us because really the journey is all it is. Oh yeah, well you know we've talked too in the past about um, practicing how you play. Yeah, and and you know I'm a big believer in if practice isn't fun, then you know you're you're not imprinting you're not imprinting exactly what you are going to expect to happen during that one moment that you're training for. And the purpose of practicing is to be ready for that moment. So like you said, how do you make that fun? For me, um, I know for Sharon and Harry, you know, when we would prepare for like a bear hunt or preparing for their first turkey hunt, we would take times and actually build scenarios to where they were involved with, you know, our very first bear hunt, we actually hunted over bait for um, Sharon and Harry. Harry was like 10, I think. And, you know, this was like one of Sharon's first animals. So I really wanted a controlled scenario where they were able to focus on making a good shot, not have an animal that's moving around and that sort of thing. So we, we, we like built a scene, you know, we, we put up a stand and then, you know, I actually bought a bear target, put the bear target there. I kind of, I would put it on a certain angle and then as soon as i'd put on the angle i'd have them come down i'd be like okay at this angle where are you going to aim so they would you know i'd say here put this sticker exactly where you need to aim they'd put it on there and so then it got to the point where they were shooting at the sticker at different angles then it got to the point where i would just turn it and they would have to shoot at those different you know those slightly different quartering shots without having a sticker on there but then also you know i know like with with rogan he built, you know, he went out and bought a, a full elk target. He shoots at the elk target. At, he likes to shoot at like 60 or 80 yards, and he shoots at the elk target because really in his mind, that's what he's training for. He's training for, he loves to hunt elk. So he's literally imprinting that situation all the time, and he's doing it for fun. And the other thing is lighted knocks. For me, yeah. you know, there's something like if – if nocturnal could fit in a golf ball, I'd probably go to the driving range <laughs> and just hit balls because there's something about being able to see that freaking lighted object just fly through the air and then land in this super small pinpoint spot that you're wanting it to go into. That's that's like immediate reward of confirmation. That's like an immediate... Um, feedback. I, it's feedback of perfection instantly. Yeah. And, you know, like this situation, and I'll actually share, I'll share that, um, that last post that you did, um, where you're, you know, you're in the backyard, you got your deer target out, you're sitting down, no different than if you were in your blind. Um, and then, you know, you're making this shot and you're obviously even filming yourself, being able to watch those good shots. I talk about that so much. It's so important when I'm working with teams, it's so rare that I look downrange because I just I'm really trying to capture that moment where I know that that person has made a flawless execution and once I have that I'll give it to them and it's like listen if ever you're in doubt all you have to do is watch this and watch it and watch it and watch it and you know a lot of times with top level athletes when if you work with a really good sports psychologist you know if i look at the times where i've performed almost outside of even my own personal expectation what you want to do is you want to try to go back to that moment 
as soon as you can and try mm-hmm. and try to remember all of the different elements you know you want to you want to bring in all of your senses like you talked about earlier when you said i want to be able to hear that ball tingling around in the bottom of that cup mm-hmm. it's so exactly. it's so important you know if you're shooting archery even if you feel like you made a good execution the fact that you can see you you know you have feel you have your touch mm-hmm. then you have mm-hmm. your sight then even like like i love having like my rage broadheads i can hear when those suckers open like you know the sound when you hit the sweet spot you know like yep. on an animal and you hear that broadhead open and you you know that sound um you know even even trying to bring in like smell i remember um i remember one of my best performances i had i was in poland and i can still remember like the smell of the food that was being cooked on the streets and being able to you know if i was in a pressure situation again and i started to incorporate doubt in my ability i would try to go back to that moment and i would try to think about you know how how the how i felt with just my stroke and my rhythm of that shot i would think about that smell i'd think about that breeze coming off that you know coming off that sea coming across my face you know you start to bring in all those different elements and you create you create this environment that gives you total recall and you're able to you're able to bring in these positive impressions based off something that's already happened and equally to that if you're preparing for something there was times where i was competing and i knew i was going to a major event and i just had this hunch of like who i would meet in the medal matches and there were times where i would be out practicing and i would put myself i would literally create this environment and this scene where i would be like okay it's me and this guy you know this is what we shot we're here you know our final target's going to be you know a 20 meter bunny shot you know and i'd put you know i'd like tell myself what the score was what i needed to do i would totally like i would look over imagine that person looking at me and what the, you know what would be said cuz i know you know certain archers they like to throw some mind games out. Some archers like to talk to you a lot. Some like to not yeah. talk at you at all. Some like to, you know, they like to shoot and then look at you and stare at you while you're making your shot. Some just like to turn their back to you and just, you know, make you sweat it out. So, I mean, I, I would I would try to create these scenes. And I remember there were times where I created them so vividly that I actually had, like, goosebump like i could stand the hair up on my arm and i remember i went to us um to a tournament and it was exactly how i had visioned it and how i had played it out in my mind and i remember that archer looked at me and he said are you ready are you ready and i said oh yeah i've already done it i've already done it and he looked at me and he he kind of looked at me like what and i was thinking i've already won and i freaking did it i did that's exactly awesome. what i had created in my mind and the whole thing played out and that just goes to show you know what you what you see and what you create in your mind ultimately does 
end up happening. You know, whether or not you continually tell yourself, I can't, or if you sit there and say, man, if a big buck comes in, I'm just, I know I'm going to make a bad shot, which that's what you were talking about earlier. It's sad to know that there's people out there that are just dreading the fact something good comes out because they're worried about being too nervous. What they need to be doing is just sitting there telling themselves, man, when this sucker comes out, it's going to come up. It's going to come right there. I'm going to draw back. I'm going to, I'm going to feel that, feel that anchor on my face. I'm going to touch that. I'm going to feel that string at the tip of my nose. That pin's going to be right there and I'm just going to pull right through and I'm going to just see that hair split apart and, you know, right behind the shoulder. And I mean, if you spend your time in the stand visioning that stuff, you're going to, you're ultimately going to be so much more prepared for that moment once it actually happens and once it actually comes to light and you're probably the chances are most likely you're actually going to make that happen rather than the opposite there's no question and 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 i uh, i i honestly believe because i know i struggled with it for years and didn't even realize it how important that is right i mean and and, and you and, and ej have really you know, I, I remember calling EJ. I um, I'm in a in a golf tournament that's you know it took me 25 years to win the thing, right? I mean, I I just I got close, but I didn't really know how to win. You know, I I'm, I wasn't a golfer till after college, you know, and I just I fell in love with the game. I I you know I I got pretty decent at it really quickly, and then I have a guy like EJ, you know, a national champion, you know, great friend that that gives me some cool tips that one elevates me to a pretty good pretty good player quickly but then the mind tricks right being able to believe that you can do it and so i remember calling him i'm i'm in the final group and i remember calling him, i go each i just you know i haven't seen myself here I, i'm like what do i do you know right after my first round and it's the same thing Dud. he goes he goes eric you've got to play that round in your mind and your subconscious play it tonight play it over and over again every shot he said i want you to go to the practice range practice those you know play an entire round of golf exactly doing what you said it gives you the ability to step on that team and go you know what i've already done this mm-hmm. so one it 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 you know the this heightened sense of awareness because i can remember e, ej's like dude it's going to be a suffocating you know now think about it i'm standing at my muni you know for a stillwater championship and ej standing on the first tee at tory pines or at, at pinehurst you know <laughs> yeah. i'm like it's not even close right i mean this guy plays in u.s opens and but again, he's he's just talking about you've got to prepare, right? So you've got to one, you've already done it, and and that just minimizes your damage and gives you success. But here's the deal: I truly believe that there's a lot of guys that haven't done their diligence. They're getting poor arrow flight. They don't know what their their broadheads are flying weird, whatever, and they don't have confidence, you know. And and uh, I I just want them to know that you can do it you can't have the confidence you've got to see great things happening and you've got to be confident he comes in you're going to get it done and and you minim you just give yourself some margin to be able to pull that off and you know it's funny i'll go back to that shot in my backyard so here's what i learned too that's crazy and and uh you know doing this for a long time i've i've been a fixed blade broadhead guy for a long time well i'm i'm adamant i mean my gear is i'm gonna i'm gonna train like i hunt right so my nocturnals are going to be on and uh and in my quiver will not be it it will not be strange to see three broadheads you'll see you know a a muzzy you'll you'll probably see you know i i still have some some g5 strikers and and i i put the rage in this year and you know i killed both of my bucks with that hypodermic 
and and I bought a pack from Loan, you know, and and down there our good friend, and and I just I I thought you know what I'm going to give this a whirl, but I got to tell you what what changed everything for me, and it was really this this last training session getting prepared for my 36 yard shot. So I'm shooting, I, I, and, and so I, I normally only shoot broadheads, you know, from about, I don't know, August on, and because I believe that's, that's critical. I mean, you've, you've got to hunt, the, you know, you've got practice trained the exact way you're going to hunt, and so I'm shooting my broadheads, and I'm shooting at 30, so it's, actually, I, I, I had my, you know, I, I've done my system where my rangefinder's hooked to my binoculars, so I, I'm in the backyard, and I, I'm, I'm practicing it, and I'm shooting, and I shoot my 30-yard pin because I thought it was at 30. I, I didn't realize, you know, it was it was 35 yards. So I shoot my rage practice head, dead nuts. I mean, just I shoot my two fixed blade broadheads bottom of the kill. So really low, you know, just almost not missing the target, but you know, right in the bottom of the of the eight ring. So I'm like, well, that's weird. So I, I find my, my uh, range finder, and I look at it, it's 35 yards. I'm going, now hold on. So my range is, is four inches higher, dead center. Now, this was weird to me. So my 30-yard pin with that range broadhead was, I, I didn't gap. I mean, I had zero, or I had 30 to 35 yards. I had that much margin with that rage. And, you know, I don't know why. I, I really don't. But you know what? The bow's crazy efficient. And... When I shot that deer at 36 yards two weeks ago, it was my 30-yard pin. You know how refreshing that is? And, you know, I hear Rogan worried about this one pin and moving his pin and all that stuff. And, oh, that thing was great for me. It blew right through him. I can't wait for you guys to see the footage because it, um, it was really cool to watch that thing disappear in that deer. And, and uh, he didn't go but 100 yards. But, um, yeah, yeah. I love that 36-yard shot, man. It's dead on my 30-yard pin at this point. That's kind of cool. Yeah, because it falls. Like, if you're aiming dead center, it literally falls right behind the elbow. I'm watching this shot. And for those of you um, listening to the podcast, uh, Eric's Instagram account is Eric Aaron Gudgel. So him and his wife. So it's Eric and then... Uh, E-R-I-C, and then E-R-I-N, and then Gudgel, G-U-D-G-E-L. I'll share is this shot that we're talking about. Man, your Aeroflight is dynamo. Is that that built, the bow I built for you? It is the bow you built for me. Man, that thing is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. I call him Astro, man. It's uh, it's the George Jetson bow, man. That thing is so sexy. I can't even tell you. And my Rattler grips just make it make it so cool. It's I shot three shots at 80 yards yesterday. You know, I can't even see 80 yards, but I had a, about a three-inch group at 80 yards, and that's so much fun, man. I love it. it there, of course, there's no wind, and, you know, you really got to work hard at those long ones, but that bow is crazy good, man. Love Astro, huh? Astro. Astro. It's the George Jetson, man. You remember <laughs> the George Jetson Astro? We've got some galactic um, theme going on. I know with that podcast I did with Joe, he's said something about space dust or i don't know he did say space dust i remember that, that was yeah good. we got some kind of galactic um theme going this year but hey what was um i remember this summer you were telling me about uh grant's coach was talking he had a saying something about practice it was something relating to practice and i actually really liked that mental terminology do you remember what it was 
Well, I think uh, you know Grant is a is a huge soccer player, and he's he's really gifted at the game. And and his coach is um, you know a, a, a good reason for that. He's got some great great coaches. But if you if you um, follow soccer, the last word that they ever use is practice. They they don't believe it's practice. They believe that it's training. You're training That's your right. mind to do great things. And you know I I, uh, I remember talking to you about that and 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 i i have kind of adopted that as well because i just i and i think i told you i don't like that word practice i, I don't know i like training i like i want to elevate it i it's it's more than practice to me it is it is training it's training your body it's training your mind it's training everything to to be successful and and that's why they do it you know they refuse to call it practice yep yep well and that's uh that's kind of why we came up with that that's that saying for the new shirt, you know, mm-hmm. train, love hunt, it. eat, um, love it. because pra- yeah, I mean, practice, practice is, I, I think if you're training, you have a clear goal. I think yep. if you're, I think if you're practicing and see, that was always my thing when people would say, well, practice makes perfect. Well, that's, I don't believe that. Cause I know that if you're practicing inefficiently or incorrectly, incorrectly, you're, you're reinfor- you're reinforcing mm-hmm. negativity so you're not pr- you're not practicing you're actually digging a hole for yourself so i always change it to perfect practice makes perfect because amen that's yep. really the only way you can do it but i think training training with a purpose is is definitely a better mentality for people to have i mean that's definitely the way to go no um doubt. is there anything else you wanted to to talk about Man, it's just been great to talk to you. I know we got to do a podcast just to be able to sit down and and hang out. But uh, man, I just appreciate you you helping yeah, and 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 providing your knowledge. I it, it's it's the thing that um, you know I I really think that you're being blessed is is because your your passion to give back and and that's just so cool in this in this crazy industry, you know, you just care about us all getting better. And, and, uh, I'm just glad to be a part. And I know you said some really nice things about me and, and, uh, you know what, I am, I am no different than any other hillbilly out here trying to enjoy uh, this great sport that we have. And I'm just very grateful that we have people like you that are willing to, you know, to, to spill that knowledge on us. So it's super fun, man. I, uh, I encourage everybody to, to get the best training they can, you know, and, and the beautiful thing about this is it's free. I mean, it's free 50 free. All you got to do is get on iTunes, you know, that's, yeah. that's incredible to me. So, you know what, do your diligence, uh, listen to these incredible people that you're bringing on, you know, and, and, uh, and, and just try to come up with a system that works for you. You know, that's, that's to me, we're all just trying to make, uh, you know, make ourselves better in this sport, and and uh, you're doing a great job of helping everybody. So, well, thanks, I appreciate man. the opportunity to be on. You bet, brother. All right. Well, I'm going to check out. I hear Harry upstairs uh, rummaging around, so I want to be able. Grant's to... getting ready to go to school too, man. He's sitting here right here with me. So yeah, we got to we got to kiss the family goodbye on the way before they head out the door. But thanks, dude. I appreciate you it. Got it and, uh, See you later. Yep. Talk to you later. Knock on everybody. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. knockonarchery.com